My name is Maria Maxi. I was born and raised in Karachi, Pakistan. I am currently working as a multidisciplinary artist, writer and educator in Toronto, Canada. I'm Selene Ibrahim. I'm a scholar of Islamic studies and a teacher at the secondary level, a professor in various institutions of Islamic learning and a, an author. And I'm from Brookline, New Hampshire. My piece in, in issue on freedom was a contemplation of my own background in coming to Islam and finding a spiritual freedom in the practices of Islam that require surrender. And so I was contemplating in the piece both how what drew me to Islam and how I came to understand the tenets of the religion and the culture of, of the religion. And it also, it's also a reflection on the value that I find in certain spiritual practices that are associated with Islam. I originally started crafting the piece in the era of the rise of Trump when there was so much anti-Muslim bias that was out there. And I wanted to be able to articulate for a general audience really why what I found that was beautiful in Islam so that I could hopefully help people understand Islam as like a legitimate spiritual path, understand Muslims as good people. And the other reason was that on account of my American background, I would oftentimes get questions about how I ended up as Muslim. And now when people ask me, I actually can just say, ah, I wrote a story about that and, and point them in a direction and seeing what I see as beautiful in Islam. When I grew up, I grew up in a region of the US that at that time didn't have any real Muslim community, Muslim population. And it wasn't until I was a teenager and I went to an international boarding school that I encountered Muslims for the first time. And so many of my first experiences with Muslims who then became my friends were actually somewhat comedic because of my lack of cultural references to understand where they were coming from. And now that I think of myself almost 20 years later, having you know, walked a, a, a you know, lengthy involved process of, of understanding Islamic teachings, Islamic doctrine, becoming a scholar, you know, raising my own child as a Muslim in, in the US, it's it's fascinating to sort of look back on my early experiences and, and this journey that brought me into the fold of Islam and sort of the people that, that I met along the way. I oftentimes am caught in this divide between having to have all the answers and having to have a polished, intact spirituality. And then on the other hand, being a person who's full of questions and curiosities and things that I still don't know or don't fully understand. And the piece for me was a way to think about where I've been and really what I value in, in Islam. And I think for me, given that I have to spend so much of my time being polished and having the answers, it, it was just a time to enjoy sort of the fruits of, of my own spiritual practice and the journey that got me there. My photographic works from an ongoing project titled Parda were featured in the forecast journal issue number 10. 
I embarked on Parda in 2015 because I was interested in the symbolic, cultural, historical and conceptual explorations of veiling such as hijab, niqab and burqa. Just to inform our listeners, the title of my project Parda is a word that is actually derived from Farsi and it has several meanings such as secluding oneself from society, curtains or quite literally a veil. I tease out the various interpretations, meanings and readings of Parda through an intersectional feminist lens. This particular photograph falls under a series that was created in various urban streetscapes of the city of Toronto. And the areas we chose as locations were concrete heavy, boxed between alleys usually denoting all the worlds we sometimes find you know, ourselves crushed within. The figures walk strong, they walk tall, hands held, united. Despite the dead end beyond, there's this open sky above. The title plays with the very popular Sex in the City series, except here it's Burqa in the City. The burqas that the figures are wearing convey a sense of power under a veil of anonymity. They don't quite care if we're watching or not, and if we're not careful, we'll most likely be left behind. There's this power here in the fact that the figures are not facing the camera, but rather walking away from the viewer. Of course, there are many subversive themes being unpacked here. Are they women? Are they men? Are they non-binary? Gender non-conforming? Is any of that even relevant? Moreover, what do our presupposed biases say about us when we're faced with veiled figures in this photograph? And do they really care what we think about them? These photographs were made at a fairly earlier stage of the project and were also informed by my background in fashion photography. I was interested in the actual material itself and how it shifts in texture, tone and color tones according to the lighting conditions. As with most of my work, I made this series digitally and several of the photographs have made it into various circulations around the world, including Photo Vogue, Smithsonian, National Geographic, Your Shot, She Does the City and Vice Canada. People always seem to connect with this series in fresh new ways. And as a lens-based artist, there's nothing more I want than to see folks asking themselves a different set of questions regarding controversial topics and really shifting away from binary forms of thinking. For example, and this is an anecdote that I think is very important to share in our polarized and divided times in North America. But a man in Toronto reached out to me, having encountered this series online. And he was living in a Muslim-majority neighborhood and often found himself in the company of burqa and niqab-clad women when taking his building's elevator in common areas. He found them to be, you know, foreign, absurd and terrifying. And those are his words, not mine. Uh, anyways, so he asked me why people like that come to Canada at all, what propels them to move, you know, and bring their ways with them. And it just shows you how simplistic of a view most people have about the global events that fuel migration, whether chosen or forced. 
Anyway, so he sat down with my work. He was willing to ask questions and do the work himself too. He read my thesis. He went through the photographs and interviews collected from women who choose to wear hijab, niqab or burqa in Pakistan, Canada, Morocco and Egypt. And a couple of months in, his entire approach changed. He went from having an aversion to the Muslim women of his neighborhood to actually befriending a woman who wailed, helping her carry her groceries up to her flat. Now, isn't that something? It gives me a huge sense of hope in how powerful photography can be in shifting perspective, igniting change, and creating incredibly important shifts in society. I think oftentimes in Western societies, the idea of Islam is one of constraint and obligations that seem antiquated or acronistic. And I think what I want to ask readers to think about with me in the piece is the ways in which these technologies for cultivating the self that are in fact ancient and may in fact be anachronistic in, in some ways, still have tremendous value in helping us figure out you know, how to embrace the vulnerabilities of our human condition and figure out how we can live into to those vulnerabilities in in a way that supports our well-being. 